we'll come to the Word of God. I'm thankful to be uh, a part of the body of Christ, an effectual part, however little that might be. The body needs a whole bunch of ligaments in it, right? You don't even see them. We see the, hear the mouth, you know, and see the, all the exterior features, and then the body has all of this function that if it's, if it's not right, that it doesn't work. And so just because some of us take the mic, uh, that doesn't mean we make up the body. But we all together become a habitation of the Lord. And so glad that uh, just to be a part of that. And I like to say this is the best this is the best body of Christ that I've ever been in, and, and so I recommend it highly. Um, we're just so thankful for each one of you. Thank you for coming out to the wedding yesterday and supporting Shane and uh, Riley, and it went so good, and all of you that helped and took a part, thank you so much. We appreciate that. So let's go to uh, John, the first chapter, probably a... Um, My pages here are wrinkly. They're getting worn out. John, the first chapter, such a, such a wonderful description. In fact, it uses this word of exegesato, which means this great explanation of the Lord God. And so in this is some really, really great revelation of God. I want to go down, though, to the uh, 26th verse, John the Baptist. And John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but one stands in your midst who you do not know. One is in your midst that you don't know. Interesting. Uh, if you go with me to, uh, and then I just want to take out a, uh, just a, a single verse in the 25th verse. Then they said to him, Jesus, who are you? Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Altogether, what, actually the Greek rendering here is, what I begin to say included with what I am saying right now. That was his answer to who are you. And then they went on and said some other things. But I thought, I thought that's a great answer. Who are you? What I said I was and what I'm saying I am right now. That's who I am. So we'll go back and revisit this in a, li in a little bit. And then I got one more place. And I'm going, going to the book of Acts. And Rodney's been working in this book. Uh, some wonderful, wonderful stuff. So I'm, I you know, hope I don't cross over him here. But, but I want to read something about the conversion of Paul. 
Saul, and it's the 22nd chapter and the 7th and the 8th verse. And this is Paul's, in Paul's words, um, Luke is writing it as Paul said it. And so it will be in first person. He said, and I fell, on the, I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you persecute. Amen. I want to work a little while on who are you, some who are you's in the Scripture. I'm not sure that I'll get back to, to the middle of the book backs. I think we'll talk about that next week. But, but I want to go there, who are you? And there's some, some things pressing on my heart that I think we need to know. A lot of you have heard me preach a hundred times, two hundred times, three hundred times, some a thousand times. And I've still just got one message. And that's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the best. Can you say amen? That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Lord, we thank you. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We believe that your revelation is ultimate. That's what we need. That's what we need to know. Well, there's a lot of things in Scripture we can work with. There's, there's all kinds of areas. But, Lord, first, foremost, protos, primary, preeminent, is the revelation of you, Lord. And so we just ask you this morning as we deal with this that you'll just open our hearts a little bit more. Put a line on a line in our heart. Put a precept on a precept as we grow in knowledge and wisdom and understanding of you. We thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 If God was going to do, add something to your uh, wisdom bank, would you say yes this morning? So let's talk about Jesus a little bit. I want to talk about, I do want to look at this in a sense of <clears throat> what the Pharisees said to Jesus and what the Pharisees said to John, when they're asking, who are you? They are really inferring it this way. Who do you think you are? Which is a little different than just the question, who are you? It's more of, who do you think you are? Because you have to understand that the Pharisees are in the center of the Jewish religion. They're in the center of the Jewish government. They are the ones that rule and reign. They are the ones that school the people. They teach the people. And so looking at Jesus and looking at John the Baptist as being outsiders, you know that Jesus didn't go to their schools. John didn't go to their schools. And now they are upset and Luke put it this way. He said, when the time came, the word went past the, the temple. It went past the priest. It went past the Pharisees. And it went out to John in the Jordan. And John is speaking as a man with authority now. And not only that, he's baptizing people. And 
in that day, and we've, we've talked about baptism a lot because it's, it's a lot in doctrines around here. And so, but baptism in that day was very important, very powerful. Uh, it, was, it was served on the Jewish people. All the proselytes, those that became Jews, needed to be baptized into Jewry. And we've, we've touched on that. And, and uh, Pastor Ronnie has, has, has brought such a beautiful thing about the day of Pentecost and baptism there, how that they were were guilty of the blood of Christ and what should we do and and be baptized and wash yourself, cleanse yourself. But baptism, the ritual baptism was just something that was so prevalent with them. It meant it meant something to them, probably that it doesn't mean to us. So John the Baptist is out declaring things that he really doesn't have the schooling to say. He's not qualified to say some of the things that he's saying. And so he's preaching a gospel. Now, I know we all have a kind of a concept of, of what John the Baptist was and who he was. Because we're on this side of it. We can look back and we can see, you know, all the things that, that he was about. Something dawned on me as I was reading again, going through just Bible reading and I'm in the book of John, and I'm in the first chapter, and I stopped in the first chapter, and I said, Lord, I'm going to stay here a while. So uh, I'm going to read very slowly through the first chapter of John, and I've been in there, oh, I don't know, it's taken me about two weeks to read the first chapter of John. And I've only got down to, to where we're at this morning. And something began to grip me. I, I shared this with, with Dustin um, I went on a site where a man, did you go see him, read some of that? And there are other people who believe what we believe. Everybody say amen. It's wonderful. <laughs> you feel like sometimes, you know, you, you don't want to just be out there and nobody believes what you believe. But uh, this man has some, some real close doctrine that, that we believe. And, and not everything. You never find individuals that you just completely line up with. But, but he's talking about uh, John 1, 1 and and down through the first chapter of John, and it was refreshing to me. And as I'm reading this, something, something stirs in my heart that I hadn't really seen before. And so if you have your Bible and if you have it open, what I want you to do is go with me there. I'll get back to the first chapter of John. And go with me down to the 15th verse. Now, forget the chapter marks, will you? Just forget the chapter marks. We're not going with where they think the division of thought is. We're going to divide it ourselves. So we're going to put this kind of division here at the 15th verse. Now, I want to read these verses because this, this is so, so caught me. John witnesses concerning him. And then I want to take you over to the 19th verse. And this is the witness of John. So now we have two things that are being said and done. I've always thought, and I don't know, maybe everybody else has gone by me on this. I always thought that John the Baptist said the first stanza, and he cried out saying, this is, uh, this one 
was he of whom I said, he coming after me has been before me, for he was preceding me. And I thought, that's where John the Baptist left off, and John the Apostle then began to reveal. And I'm seeing something different. This is the witness of John the Baptist concerning the Son of God. So now I'm beginning to see, and I think, you know, like I said, you may have already seen it this way, but now I'm seeing that this is the proclamation of John B, not John A. John A is the apostle. John B is John the Baptist. So we have both of them here writing, just like, just like Luke. Luke wrote what Paul said in first person. We just read it. And he said, Paul said, I was, you know, and told about his conversion. But here, listen to this, though. This is the witness of John concerning him. Concerning who? Concerning the one, the only begotten, full of glory. From Father, full of grace and truth. And this is John the Baptist's witness concerning him. And is cried out saying, this, this one was he of whom I said, he is coming after me. He coming after me has been before me, for he was preceding me. And out of his fullness we all received and grace, on top of grace, anti-grace. And the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Still speaking, John writing, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He reveals Him. Now, Because we really don't know if John the Revelator wrote those words or John the Baptist. It looks like to me sandwiched in between John's two witnesses, though. Let me tell you something. If John the Baptist was preaching that on the Jordan Bank, he really is revealing Christ. No wonder they hate this guy. No wonder they hate him. Because I'm just thinking, you know, just not really aware. I'm just thinking, well, you know, he kind of taught out on the, the riverbank and, and he was baptizing some folks. And he, he did say, I'm, a, I'm the voice of one crying in the woods. He did say, he coming after me is mightier than me and I'm not worthy to loose down and... or or to bend down and loose his sandals, and, and, and he said some things about it. Behold, you know, the Lamb of God takes away. But I never really visualized him as being this preacher, brilliant preacher, theologian. Has anybody ever thought of John the Baptist as being a theologian? Those three verses, you can sum up the whole Bible in those three verses. You can sum up our whole faith in these just these few verses. And if that's what he was preaching on the riverbank, it's no wonder they came out to hear him. They didn't come out to obey him. Because Jesus said later, 
Was John's ministry of man or was it of God? They came out to see what he was doing and what he was saying, but they did not agree with him at all because he was preaching Jesus Christ. Man, man. I would love to go out and sit on the, on the, on the bank of the river and hear him preach this stuff. So I'm going to think of John the Baptist as being this revelator. I've always think John the Apostle as being a revelator. But now John the Baptist as being a man that has insight that is way beyond his peers. He's got revelation like David. Like David had insight. John the Baptist, the Word of God passed him up and went out to him on the riverbank. And so he was preaching things that were theologically correct that pointed them to Jesus Christ as being the Son of God, as being the revelator of God, explanation of God in the flesh. And so John the Baptist out there preaching that kind of stuff. Anybody ever thought about that? It is no wonder that Jesus said in Matthew 11, There has not come a mightier one born of woman than John the Baptist. He is excellent beyond the prophets. Wow. And I'm just thinking, you know, it was was mainly because... He introduced the Lord. Here's how he introduced the Lord. And Jesus came out to the Jordan, and, and he puts him under the water. And then, then they come up, and, and the, 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 the dove in a feature of the Spirit comes down and abides upon him. And then Jesus has been introduced to the world because of John. No, I think he's out there preaching Christ. He has an understanding that is beyond the prophets. Amen. He's got an understanding that's beyond the priest for sure. He's got an understanding that's beyond religion. He understands who Jesus is. No one else there does. They don't understand. Only John the Baptist understands who Jesus is. Even his mom, his brothers, friends, relatives, they, they don't, they see him but they don't know him. And so now listen to the witness of John. I, I like this because now they've come out to ask him who he thinks he is. Who do you think you are to tell us who the Christ is? You're not telling us. You're not, you're not, you, you haven't even come to our school. You have no graduation. You have no diploma. You have no Bible school uh, clearance to be teaching these kind of things. And so tell us. Come on, tell us who do you think you are. I like he starts off, he says, well, if you think I'm the Christ, you're wrong about that. I'm not the Christ. Oh, no, you're not the Christ, huh? Well, then, are you Elijah? It's kind of funny that there have come some people over my lifetime who've claimed to be Elijah. That's, that's weird. 
William Branham claimed to be Elijah by his own words. He's not Elijah. However, Jesus did say that if you can receive it, John the Baptist was really in the spirit of Elijah. But they asked him, are you Elijah? No. Are you that prophet? Now, that prophet goes back to Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter, where, where God said, Moses said, I will raise up a prophet that the people will hear him. And it's a reference to Messiah. Are you that prophet, John? No. No, I'm not prophet. Then who are you? I love Jesus' answer and I love John's answer because they will never give them a direct answer for what they want. It's beautiful. You know, have you ever heard the thing, you don't answer a question with a question? Oh, Jesus did. And, and John, in effect, is kind of doing that too. No, no, I don't need to tell you that I'm John born of Zechariah and Elizabeth. You don't need to know that, what my heritage is. Then, then who is it that you say that you are? I'm a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, and I am the fulfilling of the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Malachi of the third chapter. They're madder now than when they started. Because if he is the voice crying in the wilderness, then what he is saying about the Christ is the truth. And they're not able to handle that. That, that just... And so, come on, give us an answer so we can go tell those who sent us. He said, listen, I'm, here's my answer. I indeed baptize with water. But there's one who's coming after me. He preceded me. And he is after me. He is the beginning, right? John understands. He's the beginning and he's the end. John understands it. The guy, his knowledge of the Lord is now in such expanse that if we go back and look at the things that he said, he sat with God and God sent him. God sent him on this mission to baptize. And he said, I baptize you with water, but there's, there's one that's standing in your midst that you don't know who he is, but, but I'm here and I'm in the water so that I might reveal who he is. They don't know who he is. But John said this. Listen to this. Two times in this, in this chapter, he said, but I did not know who he is. Two times he said that. And I thought, well, he was just, you know, sort of qualifying himself in announcing the Christ. No. John was a relative of his, according to Mary and going to see his mother Elizabeth and you know and the relatives got together in that day they didn't sit at home you know on their cell phones they got together they visited they a lot of things we don't do now and they knew each other but John said I did not know and what he did not know and I'm talking about previous life I'm talking about his rearing and coming up he doesn't know that Jesus, his cousin or, or whatever relative he is to Jesus, he doesn't know him as the Christ because it has not yet been revealed to him. See, I want to, I want to tell you this, and, and I believe this, I capitalize on this. You cannot know Jesus without revelation. 
You can't know him because you quote his name. You can't know him because you go to church. You can't know him because you were raised in a Christian home. There is only one way to know Jesus, and that is the revelation of who he is by his spirit. And John said, I, I didn't. I didn't even know. A couple of times, he wants them to know, I'm not baptizing here, my cousin. I'm not baptizing a man because I favored him and I just knew who he was. No, he said, I didn't know who he was, but the Spirit of God said that when you see the Spirit come down upon this one and abide on this one, I want to tell you the difference between you and him. You're a, you're a preacher, you're a prophet, you're the best man that's been born among women, but I want to tell you something. This man will not baptize him water. He will baptize in spirit. He will baptize baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. The difference between John the Baptist and Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ baptizes your spirit. John baptized your flesh, but Jesus baptizes your spirit and he brings you under and he puts you under until you are renewed and washed and cleaned by the power of Jesus Christ. And this is the revelation that John receives. I didn't know him. But now I do. And then on the next day, he sees Jesus coming. Behold the Lamb of God that takes the world's sin on himself. There he is. He understands now. They don't. See, Jesus is in their midst. They don't know who he is. But John sees him in his glory. Isn't that beautiful? Because he has been revealed to him. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Everybody okay? Say amen. I want anybody to go to sleep on me now. Man. If you see anybody nodding there, punch them a little. I know how to revive them. Say, we're going to eat in a minute. Everybody's like, wow. So now I want to go to Paul a little bit and talk about Paul. Paul... Um, A mighty man, educated man, and what he says about himself in the 22nd chapter, that's what I read before, but I wanted, I wanted to look at the third verse. He said, I am indeed a man, a Jew, having been born in Tarsus of Cilicia. This is interesting right here. But raised up and educated in this city. The setting is that they have captured him. He went back down to Jerusalem, and the Spirit of the Lord said, if you go, they're going to they're arrest you. And they have taken him. They, the Jews have, uh, they're about to try to kill him. And so he stands up in his defense, and he begins to, to talk about him own, his own self and, and who he is and set his credentials. I was raised up and educated here in Jerusalem at the feet of Gamal having been instructed according to the exactness of the ancestral law, being a zealous one for God, even as you all are today. I said this interesting. He understands what they're doing. He did the same thing. They are zealous to get rid of Paul because they believe that he's, uh, he's bringing on this false Christ. And Paul did the same thing. So he said, 
I was zealous like you, like you are today. You want to kill me. I understand why you want to kill me. But then, Gamaliel, um, I begin to think about this for a minute. Gamaliel is found in the fifth chapter of Acts. Gamaliel is a teacher. He's more than a teacher. He really is the leader of the Pharisees. So they have taken the apostles. The apostles were preaching in the temple. They took them and bound them and brought them to the Sanhedrin in the, in the fifth chapter of Acts. Gamaliel's there. What's interesting, and I didn't realize this, but Gamaliel had certain power in the council. You don't hush the high priest. But Gamaliel stood up and said, listen to me. And gave them, according to the Greek text, gave them commandment to listen to him. And so somebody said he was co-chair along with the high priest because he was the head of the Pharisees, Gamaliel. Gamaliel says, listen, don't murder these men. It's because many have rose up and many uh, different sects of religion have happened and they have all fallen apart. Now, if these people are, of, are, are not of God, this, this sect of the way will fall apart. So don't put your hand on them. And you, you know what? They listened to him, and they did not. They just beat the apostles, and they sent them away. All except for Paul. Paul was the student of Gamaliel. And he's going to defy his rabbi. I thought, well, this is really interesting. The very rabbi that raised him up from a child in the ways of the Pharisees. He's so mad. <laughs> he is so mad that he's going to defy his lifetime rabbi. That just doesn't happen. But he is angry, and the, the, the reference is that he is breathing out slaughter and murder against the church. And here's Gamaliel back there. Guys, you know, Take it easy. Take it easy. If it's not of God, it's going to fall apart. But if it is, you know, he left it kind of like maybe we're wrong. And so not Paul, man. He's a zealot. He's going, he's going to arrest people. He's going, to, he's going to have them tortured. He's going to have them jailed. And so he begins to talk about that. Now, if we take Amelia in the fifth chapter of Acts and we take Paul being raised up at his feet, and then we take Paul into the new church persecuting the church. I've drawn the deduction, and I might be wrong, but I've drawn the deduction that Paul was in Jerusalem while Jesus was there. He may not have seen him. He may not have heard him. But it looks like to me their paths had crossed. And that's interesting because of what will happen in Paul's life. So here's a man like John the Baptist. He's heard about him, but he does not know him. So now the question that happens later that I read. So let's talk about Paul's life just a little bit. Now he is zealous. He's going to go. 
He's the one that went to the high priest and asked for the letters, the papers, the power to go down and arrest people. The high priest didn't come to him. Say, hey, we're looking for somebody to go down to Damascus and start arresting people. No, he was so mad. He went himself, and the high priest gave him orders to go to Damascus. Now, in Syria, he has absolutely no power to arrest anybody. They do in Jerusalem. They are the civil power there. But they're not in Damascus. But if we find any in the synagogue according to this way, I'm going to arrest them and bring them back here for trial. That's, that's kind of interesting. So he's headed out. He's going to Damascus. And you know, you know what happened to him. He's in the middle of the day, he said. So it wasn't the sun. But he is struck down off of his horse by a light. We know who the light is. Can you say amen? Paul sees the light, but he doesn't know who the light is. And so he asks this question. Who are you Lord? Why does he bring Lord into that? He realizes he's still breathing out. He's cursing and cussing them out all the way down to Damascus. And then finally he's hit with this. And he just realizes this is an act of God. We have this thing called act of God, right? A lot of things are covered in your insurance except for acts of God. Well, I hope here in Oklahoma we're hoping that acts of God are covered too, which would include hailstorms and, and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, tornadoes and, and, and big, you know, storms. Called act of God. This he knew just doesn't happen during the middle of the day. You get knocked off a horse and, and a great light shone around. You can't see anything but this light. He knows something going on. Who are you, Lord? And I love this answer. You know what Jesus said? I am. Ego, ami. That very same thing that he said in Acts 8 before Abraham was. I am, and I am the bread of life, and I am the great shepherd, and all the I am's that he is. He's going to tell it to Paul now. Paul doesn't know. He, he thinks he's serving God. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks he's servicing the kingdom, and all of a sudden, he's hit down with the light, and who are you, Lord? I am, and I'm Yeshua from Nazareth. And I'm the one that you are hunting down. Now, he kind of flipped that. Paul was hunting. Saul was hunting them down to persecute them, to put them under arrest. But he was hunting down Christians in the way. But he said, you're not just hunting down Christians. You're not just hunting down people. You're hunting down me. And now Paul's heart is just moved. And he begins to understand who the I am is. See, he's so educated. He knows all about I am. And when Jesus says, I am, I mean, he could have just answered, oh, Jesus, who is it that persecutes Jesus? But when he said, I am, Paul connects that. He understands that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute here. This, this is the big God talking to me now. This isn't just somebody that, that's playing a trick on me, but, but really the big God is talking to me now. And so, so Paul begins to understand 
who Jesus is. Man, this is awesome. He's going to spend the rest of his life. He's going to spend his time supporting a kingdom that he tried to tear down. And now, in retrospect, looking back at this, he wrote to the Philippian church in the third chapter, I was circumcised the eighth day, an Israelite of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, raised under Gamaliel, zealous, adherence to the law. But I counted these things, all of these things as loss, that I might know him. Awesome conversion. But let me tell you this. Any conversion void of knowing Jesus is not a conversion. He already had, you couldn't get more religious than Paul. He had all the religion he needed. But he met the I am. And when he met I am, his life did a 180 degree turn. And what he hated, now he loves. Can you say amen? When you came to Jesus... And the Lord washed your life and baptized you in spirit. Now you love the things that you used to hate. I love to get together with the brethren. Amen? Used to look at them and say, when's it going to get over? You know, I was raised in church. And I was around the Lord. I didn't really know him, but I was around him. And I was always, "When's when's it getting over? You know, we need to go home. Get out of here. This is too much. Preach too long. Church going on too long. Let's get out of here. But when, when you come to know who the I am is, then it's like, no, no, no. We want to stay, hang out with the brothers a little bit. We want, to, we want to be around the things of God. Can you say amen? And that transformation that takes place in our life is not just religious stuff. That's not what it's about. It's about coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ personally in our life, which, which Paul does and which he understands that now His life is set on a course to become conformed to the image of the one that he met. Let me tell you what the goal of Christianity is. It's not heaven. The goal of Christianity is what Paul described when he said, He touched me. And I have spent the rest of my life trying to touch the one who touched me. That I have conformed to his will. That I counted everything as lost so that that I might know him to come into conforming into this metamorphosis that would take place in my life. That I would become in the image of the one who saved me and touched me in Romans 8 chapter. You all know the 28th verse, but the 29th verse it says, we are predestined for something. We're not predestined for good things. All good things work together for good of those who love the Lord call according to his purpose. But let's get to verse 29 because it says we are predestined. We are predestined to be conformed into the image of the Son of God. That is the quest of Christianity. That's the crux of Christianity. It's not about you and me and the goodies that we can get for serving the Lord. It's not about trying to promote our church, our thing, our our ideas, but it is about conforming to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who revealed himself to us 
and now we conform to that revelation. Can everybody say amen? Purpose-driven. Let me tell you what purpose is. Purpose is to become like our rabbi. That's what our purpose is. That's our whole purpose. I mean, there's a lot of other things that are going to happen, but our whole purpose is to become as our rabbi. Let me say this. You cannot be conformed to what you don't know. I think there are a lot of false teachers and false churches, false doctrines, false organizations, church movements that are trying to conform to a God that they don't know. Why do you think they look like they look? Why do you think the things that are happening and going on in their churches are going on? Because they're trying to conform to an image of a God that they don't know. But if you know the rabbi, then you understand that's the one that we conform to. Doesn't the scripture say that as he was in this world, so are we? That as he is, we are in this present world? So what does that mean? Again, it's not the sandals, it's not the, it's not the attire, it's not, well, how long hair did Jesus have? I don't know, but you need to cut yours. I'm talking to the men now. <laughs> you need to look like a man, right? Okay. That's not where we're conforming. We're conforming into the image of the one that we know that saved our life. Rescued us out of darkness and sin and trouble and, and now... We dedicate the rest of our life to knowing him. Can you say amen? We have but one predisposition as followers of Jesus Christ to be conformed to, now listen to me closely, to his earthly likeness. We are earthen people. You're a person. You need to be conformed to the person that Jesus was while he was here. We'll get to glory someday, but you're not in glory. You're in the earth. He came setting the perfect pattern of what he wanted mankind to look like. And so if we aspire to anything, it would be to be like Jesus as he was and as he is. Can you say amen? Oh, man. Who are you, Lord? I need to know in my life. See, John the Baptist received firsthand knowledge. Paul received firsthand knowledge of who the rabbi really is. Those who attempt to conform him to their design, whether that's socially or culturally or idealistically, theologically, religiously, will never come to know him. He's not to adapt. I heard a guy the other day. You know, Jesus, he just becomes anything you need him to be. That's a lie from hell. That's just a lie from hell is what that is. Let's switch the roles there. You become anything he wants you to be. Because he is a constant. Can you say amen? 
Our Lord's a constant. I'm glad He is a constant. This is why in the pattern of the early apostles and early church, in the pattern of the teaching of Jesus and what they proclaimed into the world when He was gone, in that pattern, this church and the body of Christ everywhere will continue to preach Jesus Christ, Him crucified, get to know Him. That's the essence of our faith. Can you say amen? Would you stand? God bless you. So glad that you're here. I finished so early. It's almost a quarter to 12. Are you kidding me? I need to get some more here. God bless you. We're going to have, we're going to have good times here in a minute. We're going to have some eats. But would you allow the conforming of your life to his life? I said, well, Pastor, I'm not sure. You know, I think I'm just, everything's really good right now. I don't need, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. We see him, and then we are changed from glory to glory by what we've seen in him. We are changed from glory. And I, and I think, you know, as churches, usually this is where we get. We find the glory. We got to a glory spot. And by thunders, we're not moving off of it. And the Lord say, no, no. You need to conform, need to conform from glory to glory to glory. So we're looking for the next glory. Amen? I'm glad where I'm at in my life. How many of you are glad in your life say amen? Well, Jesus has brought you to, but I want to know him a little bit more. Paul said that I might know him in the, in the, in the fellowship of his sufferings. I don't know anything about the the fellowship of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. I know nothing. But I need to be conformed to it. And that's what God is doing. God's doing that in this church. I'll tell you what. He's, he's, just, he's just making us a molding. Since Ever since we moved from California, it's like the Lord said, okay, now we're going we're gonna to work on some stuff. We're going to change some things, change some opinions, change some outlooks so that we come in process to where God wants us to be. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We just appreciate you. Thank you for your word, instruction, direction. I hope I did well this morning to put the point across again. Lord, that you're our focus. Lord, we conform to you. We look to you. We, in every respect of our life, need to know you more clearly. Lord, that we may see you more clearly in our life. To see exactly who you are and what you're doing by your spirit revealed to us from a glory to a glory in our life, we pray. And we will give you all the praise and we'll honor you and we'll follow you, Lord Jesus. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen.